Welcome to the Weekly Words of Worship podcast. My name is Daniel Innocent. I'm a youth pastor with the Ontario Seventh-day Adventist Conference. And currently, I'm enrolled in Andrews University where I'm getting my master's degree in divinity. I invite you to join me in reading, studying, and meditating on God's word. This study is not prepared beforehand, which allows you to be a participant in the studying process. This will teach you how to study the Bible for yourself, which is the greatest gift that I can give you. Once we begin a book, we read it to the very end. No skipping verses, no reading out of context. Now, sit back in a prayerful state and let's enjoy the day's reading together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for bringing us uh, back here again to the study of your word. I thank you, Lord, for your children who are tuning in because they want to learn how to study their Bible. Um, Lord, and I thank you for um, giving me this idea just to, you know, share with them uh, how I study the Bible myself and in hopes, Lord, that they pick up some things for themselves. And my prayer, Heavenly Father, is that you would help each of them to learn how to study and how to go through the process of interpreting the Bible so that they won't always be dependent on others, but they can go to your word for themselves and examine it and understand it and be able to walk with you without needing to have a mediator to explain everything. Even though we walk together, dear Heavenly Father, but we know that you said there is only one mediator between man and God, and that is Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I I thank you for helping all of us to get to know you better and to walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, friends. Welcome back to yet another Bible study. As is our custom, I invite you to open up your Bibles. And I did say to open up your Bibles because I genuinely believe that in following along and being able to underline your Bible and being able to see on the page where it is, it deepens the impression and it at least gives you somewhere to be able to refer back to. So open up your Bibles and let's go to verse nine where we left off, okay? So the setting that we've set is that Jesus is at the wedding and while he's at this wedding, they run into an issue where they've run out of wine. And Mary, as we've said, Mary doesn't hesitate. She knows what to do. As soon as trouble comes, she goes to Jesus. It doesn't matter how big it is. It doesn't matter how small it is. When trouble comes, she's understood that Jesus is the answer to trouble. We spoke about that. And she tells the servants to do whatever Jesus tells them to do. So she understands the way that Jesus works. The fact that he's going to tell them to do things that's going to require for them to have faith in order for them to see the miracle. This is the way that God works. He wants you to have faith so that he can demonstrate his miracle. But he asks you to have faith first. 
We spoke about without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so the servants had to pour the water into the water pots by faith, and they poured it into the cup by faith, and they brought it to the master of the feast by faith. And this is where we made it to. So now we read verse 9. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. So let's read that part again. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine. Have mercy. You know, wine is a symbol of a lot of things, right? Now, before um, my overly, maybe I shouldn't say overly, let me say extra, my extra religious people, okay? <laughs> before they get out the clubs and the pitchforks and the torches, to chase me down the street, right? <laughs> you remember that wine doesn't, wine symbolizes good things as well, okay? Wine, um, Jesus chose wine to represent his blood. So obviously it has to represent good things as well. And one of the things that wine represents is joy. Um, many of us don't have joy and it's difficult because in this life, you know, when, when we were kids, life was about joy. That's all life was about. You know, I remember when I used to wake up. I didn't even think about what my day was going to be. I was just going to have fun. I'm just going to go play, right? I have no bills to worry about. Oh, Lord, I miss those days. <laughs> huh? Got to go play basketball with my friends, uh, get into play fights, get into wars. We used to have wars on the block. So when I was a kid, you know, the kids on my street would go, to like this field of this construction area and meet up with these kids from a next neighborhood. And we would pick up the pieces of dirt. Like we used to call them dirt clogs and the rule was not to throw rocks, but how do you throw dirt clogs at each other and expect rocks not to hit each other? And we would be pelting these things at each other. Wah, 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 wah. Used to do the same thing with cherry apples. When I would go to my cousin's house in Montreal, there was this one Italian house and they had a tree that was hanging over the fence and we used to pick the cherry apples and whip them at each other. And it was fun. You know, we had fun, right? You go to the swings, jump off the swing. And I understand not everybody had the greatest childhood. So not everyone is going to be able to completely resonate with what I'm saying. But one of the things that we tend to lose as we get older is we tend to lose that joy. You know, it's it's so cool. I was watching, um, because I'm a pastor, right? I'm a youth pastor. And there was a day the kids were playing, and I was noticing as the kids were playing that as they're running, they're laughing. I said to myself, man, those are some young lungs, man. 
<laughs> I said, listen, when you you know you're still a child when you when you laugh while you run, right? As adults, we're we're just trying to focus on running, right? <laughs> we're just trying to focus on continuing to run because running has become exercise, but we've forgotten how to have joy. How to laugh without control. How to smile and actually mean it. How to have a gleeful and a joyful heart. Do you know that the Bible says that a merry heart does good to the body like medicine? Do you know that one of the fruits of the spirit, one of the gifts of the spirit is joy? Do you know that God wants you to experience joy, to have joy, to be happy, not just happiness, but be in a state of happiness that nothing can take the peace, nothing can take the joy, nothing can take this positive, optimistic spirit that is within you, just like a little child whose eyes twinkle at the future. You're still able to dream and see things for tomorrow, but many of us have become just like water. We've lost our flavor with life. Things have become so hard. Things have become so tough. I remember when I was working a, con uh, a construction type of job and I was outside for like 13 whatever hours a day. I remember looking at my, at my colleagues and um, being able to share joy with them. And even though the work was so simple, it's not like we were doing anything crazy in terms of the work, like we're working. But there's something about, and I have to just be honest, this is one of the gifts of the spirit that God has given me, the gift of, the gift of joy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm so happy that he gave it to me because I'm not going to let anything take my joy. And the cool thing with joy is that when you have joy, it becomes contagious. It becomes contagious. And it affects the people who are around you. Listen, I know hearing about joy is one thing, but having joy is another thing. God can turn your water into wine. God can turn your frown upside down. God can make a pessimistic person optimistic. God can make a depressed person smile. The Bible says that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning that those who sow tears shall reap with joy. Okay? The Bible says, that God will be the lifter of your head. God doesn't want you to live this life in misery. Jesus says that I came to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. But the problem with many of us is we allow our difficulties to steal our joy.
your difficulties in life are not supposed to replace the joy in your life. The difficulties that you face on the day to day do not have the power to steal your joy. Listen to me. The enemy who you face from day to day does not have the power to steal your joy. Satan himself does not have the power to steal the joy. You know who has the power to steal your joy? You. You. Me. Well, I don't have the power to steal your joy, but I have the power to steal my own joy. And I know it's it's easy to say that, but I almost lost my joy. I'm going to be honest with you, brethren. I reached a point, you know, when I, I, I harbored such resentment and anger towards someone that I couldn't have peace. I couldn't have a moment of rest. As I'm driving my car, I'm having flashbacks of things that were said to me or things that were done to me, things that I experienced. And it's making me, it, it made me sick in my stomach. Spending each day mad, each day upset, dragging my feet, not wanting to get out of my bed. I know what it feels like. I was there. And I was there not too long ago. And when I was there, I still had to go up on the pulpit and to go preach. So I understand what it feels like. I understand that it's not easy, but I'm here to be a living testimony to you that God is able to turn the water into wine. That God can turn your weeping into gladness. He can turn your sadness into joy. He could turn your crying into dancing. If only you will allow him, if only you will give him the chance to make a change in your life, to change the way that you are, the way that you feel, the way that you go about day-to-day -day experiences. We don't have to be surrounded in the darkness always. The Bible says that in him was life and the life was the light of man and the light shines in the darkness. Jesus shines light in darkness. This is what Jesus does. And if you would only allow him to come into your heart and into your life, I'm not saying that the darkness will be completely broken overnight. Jesus will have to fight against the darkness that is inside of you. But if only you will believe. Hallelujah. He will turn your water into wine. He will turn your weeping into gladness and he will turn your sadness into joy. If only you will give him the chance and allow him. Brethren, don't let people turn you into a, resent, into a resentful grouch. Don't let people do that to you. And listen, it's not even people, it's we make that concession listen it's time to turn ourselves back over to jesus amen mercy
Mm. I ain't even mean to have a little sermonette there. I'm sorry. Actually, no, I'm not. I'm not sorry. I take that apology back. <laughs> I'm not sorry. This is what I'm here to do. So the Bible says, when the master of the feast. Hmm. You know, it's interesting. They're at a, they're at a party. They're at a party, but the wine is water. They're at a party, but they've run out of that symbol of joy. And it's interesting that this would happen at a at a marriage as well, at a wedding. And it um, it almost makes me think to myself that this water being turned to to wine could also apply to other things. Maybe it it can even apply to relationships. Not even maybe it can. Jesus can turn what was dull. Jesus can turn what was bare. Jesus can turn what was depressing. Jesus can turn what was down into something that is up, into something that is beneficial, into something that is beautiful, into something that is wonderful, into something that is joyous and momentous. Jesus can turn the water into wine. Okay? But we continue. So when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew the master of the feast called the bridegroom. Have mercy. Listen, hallelujah. When God puts joy in your heart, others will not know where it came from. They won't know where you were, right? When, when they look at you, they won't be able to see somebody who's been through the types of experiences that you've been through, but your joy will still be able to touch them. Your joy will still be able to be a blessing upon them. Your positivity will still be able to impact them. We can't, as Christians, be in a perpetual state of sadness and, and, and depression. And think that that's okay to just remain here without giving it to God. And I understand that some of us, listen, depression is a, is a condition. And it's not something that anybody wants to have or anybody wants to live with. And I'm not a doctor. But I am a pastor. And I'm telling you that Jesus can be a help. And this is not me telling you, this is not me telling a bunch of people to take your medication and throw it in the garbage. That's not what I said. But what I did say is to go to Jesus. To go to Jesus with your burdens, with your cares, with what's troubling you. And to allow him to turn the water into wine. And when you have that joy in your heart, it will positively impact the people who are in your life. But 
it's a fight. It's a fight. The fight isn't always going to be easy. But if you have faith and believe and trust, God is able to win your fights for you. God is able to fight the giants that we are too weak to fight. And I believe that God is able. So we continue. So verse 10, and he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. Right? And this is other, this is this is additional proof that this had to be alcoholic, right? Because he says most people wait until everybody has well drunk before they bring out the bad wine, because obviously by that point. Nobody knows, right? Nobody knows. Nobody cares, right? <laughs> At that, by that point, nobody's really paying attention to the to the quality of the wine anymore. But the whole point of what the master is saying is that this this wine that is coming from the miracle that this wine that was uh, this water that was made wine is better than the other wines that were already wine. Have mercy. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. The joy that you have when God took you out of the depths is better than somebody who always had joy and never experienced darkness. Huh? Listen, when you have been in the darkness and God turns your water into wine or God shines the light in your darkness, you appreciate the light. You appreciate the wine more than other individuals who have always had it. Huh? There's a reason why the Bible says that when we get to heaven, the angels, there's some songs that we will sing that the angels will not be able to sing with us because they don't know what we went through. So when we're in heaven, heaven will be that much better for us because of how much harder the world was for us. But to those who overcome, hallelujah. Anyways, man, let me not preach all this morning. Wake up all the neighbors in the neighborhood. <laughs> Somebody said, oh, Pastor Daniel has all kinds of energy this morning. Right? <laughs> no, brethren, I'm just happy. And I'm happy about this message because I know that people are going to have a breakthrough from this. They're going to have a breakthrough from this, right? So he says, you guys kept the best until last. He says the, the wine that was, the, the water that was made wine actually tastes better. Have mercy. <laughs> what? You know how amazing that is? That is that much better because of how much worse things were. Think of it like this, right? Um, have you ever watched a triathlon? You've watched a triathlon, right? And I'm I'm assuming you've watched a triathlon. Some of you are like, actually, no, I haven't watched a triathlon. Okay, have you watched a race? Okay, <laughs> I said a triathlon on purpose 
for my point. Just, just follow my point. I'm here arguing with myself. Anyways, just follow my point. So at the end of the race, they have this finish line, right? And somebody has to run through the tape, right? And all these people are standing at the finish line. All these people are standing and they're watching. But look at that. They're already standing at the finish line. But they're just standing there and they're expecting and they're watching. But for the person who's crossing the finish line, for the person who actually ran the race, for the person who had to go swimming for however many miles and then biking for however many miles and then running for however many miles, who thought about giving up 100 and however many times, who was going to give up, who already pulled however many muscles, whose feet hurt, whose hands hurt, whose lungs are tired, who... That for that person, when they actually see the finish line and when they actually cross that finish line, the amount of joy that they feel for making it to this point that everybody else who is already standing there is taking for granted. That is the type of, that is what it feels like when Jesus turns your water into wine. It's that I finally made it. Yes. And listen, it, God doesn't have to take you out of your circumstance to give you joy now. Joy happens on the inside of you. Right? And, you know, I, I, I just feel the need to add this. But many of us will be unable to experience this joy because we'll be unable to let go of the things that are in the darkness still. We'll be unable to let go of the resentment and the hatred that we hold for people. Unable to let go of those desires to see others suffer for the way that they made you suffer. That's what forgiveness is, you know. Forgiveness does not mean that you no longer feel pain. That's not for, that's not what forgiveness means. You feel pain because you're injured. Right? If somebody came and and slapped me in my face. Slaps. Just give me one good slap. Please don't slap me, okay? <laughs> But if somebody came and slapped me in my face, right? And they said, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I didn't see that you were there. I was trying to hit a fly and I didn't see you when I swung and then you were there. Ah! And I said, it's okay. It's okay. Don't worry about it. It's okay. It's okay. I forgive you. Right? I can forgive them. Does that mean that my black, I'm sorry, my black, does that mean that my eye is not still black, right? <laughs> I said my black. My eye can still be black. My tooth might still be chipped, but I can still forgive you. But that doesn't mean that the pain has gone away. Forgiveness means that I've let go of my desire to see you suffer for the suffering that you caused me to suffer. Right? Now, that doesn't mean that you don't bring people to justice. That's not what that means. Because there's nothing wrong with being, bringing people to justice. There's nothing wrong with calling the police or telling your parents or whatever the case may be. 
In many cases, that's exactly what we should do. But it's that feeling on the inside that we know is there, that we know whether or not it's hatred. We know whether or not it's something that's polluting our heart, it's polluting our mind. It's something that we have to let go of. You know that in your heart and God knows that. So don't don't lie about it. The only way to fix a problem is to face the problem. Right? Some of us are going to have to get a counselor in order to do that. Right? Some of us might have to speak to our pastors. Right? Some of us might have to, and I say counselor, counselor first, but I know some people don't like talking to counselors. Anyways, we've made it to 28 minutes. Um, we're going to pray for that joy. We're going to pray for that joy and for uh, God to put that joy in our hearts. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we thank you again, Lord, for this time that we were able to spend in your word. Um, just reading about you, this first miracle. Isn't it interesting, Lord, that this was your first miracle? Your first. Wow. Jesus, it's, it's beautiful to think that your first miracle was turning water into wine, was bringing back joy. And Lord, we ask that you would do that miracle for each of us here today. I thank you, Lord, for returning my joy to me that I thought was gone. I thought I wasn't going to be able to get it back. Thank you, Lord, for pulling me out of that place. And, Lord, I just want to lift up your children who might still be in that place. Some of them who've been in that place their whole life. Others of them, their Heavenly Father, who had joy but who lost it. We ask their Heavenly Father that you would return it that you'd return what the enemy has stolen and that you would keep us that you would keep us in your perfect peace. Lord, we thank you because we know that what you promised you are also able to perform and that you're not a man that you should lie. So we can trust that what you say is true. Lord, I ask that you would help us to have faith, not to question whether or not you're able but to have faith and to believe that if only we hold on and we keep fighting and we keep pressing forward, Lord, if only we stay still, that we will see your salvation. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless.